0: This morning, uh, Glenn Siebert, who's the founder and director of Magnolia Baroque Festival in Winston-Salem, is joining me. And the Magnolia Baroque Festival is coming up. It starts on May 25th.
1: That's right. right. First concert is May 25th.
0: So, Glenn, thank you for coming in. My pleasure. And chatting. And let me just start out by asking you, why did you organize a Baroque music festival?
1: That's a great question. Uh, For many years, I spent my professional life as a soloist, where I was able to just travel around and sing with orchestras and opera companies in the States and in Europe. And I felt like I was getting into something that I call industrial music making. Hmm. And so I would be going out and doing the same repertory over and over. Carmina Barana, Beethoven 9th, which was all good. Mozart Requiem, Handel's Messiah. But it was played by major orchestras that really well, they played well, but didn't have the same kind of investment in music that I thought professional musicians should have, or the heart. Then I started working with Baroque music organizations around the country, and I found that the performances and the performers were so invested that it really brought it to another level for me and also opened up centuries of repertory that, you know, I've heard, but wasn't played in a way that other groups would play it. So it has the subtlety that other orchestras or large orchestras really didn't understand. So you're working with people who understood how to play this music. So I was given an opportunity through a foundation in Winston-Salem, the Thomas S. Keenan Institute for the Arts, to uh, start a festival. And that was started first. Our first festival was 2005. We started planning in 2004. And we're a biennial festival. And this is our fifth festival.
0: You told me earlier that you are into food.
1: I'm very much into food. Yeah, who isn't really?
0: <laughs> I, I know it's sort of a universal. Yeah. But you've kind of got a specialty that a lot of people don't have, and that is ferreting out mushrooms from the woods.
1: I do. I like to, I like to go mushroom hunting. Man. I live in the I live in a old growth forest, west of Winston Salem.
0: You do have a house in that forest, right? I have a house, yes. <laughs> in a hut. No, I
1: live I, I live in a house in the forest. And uh it's a great place. It's got all the animals and birds that are forest birds. We so we have barred owls and pileated woodpeckers and mm. um foxes and deer and all those creatures. But we also have beautiful plants. We have um you know, North Carolina orchids and uh, irises, beautiful flowers, and a fantastic array of seasonal culinary mushrooms. So my son and I were just out, we go out the same day every year, April 17th, which is my daughter's birthday, to find morels and you may know what morels are.
0: I've heard of them, but if you well, should I have some
1: pictures on my phone if them, if you like the well, with I... they're, they're the spring mushrooms. Um, and they're they have a sort of a spongy looking top to it and they're elongated, a little conical. And really they only appear for maybe a week, two weeks at the most during the spring and they're just very highly sought after. Then in July we have uh, chanterelles, which are wonderful, bright orange-yellow mushrooms. So you can eat those? Chanterelles, you can you can buy all of these mushrooms at Whole Foods. They're $35 a pound, but I just get them in my backyard. Wow. Uh, they're beautiful. Chanterelles are gorgeous. Um, those are the summer mushrooms. And then the fall, there's uh, lots of mushrooms. We all have other mushrooms during the um, summer might have uh, field mushrooms, although they're on in fields. <laughs> and those are a little bit more like uh, the ones you buy in the store. They look the same. They are really the white mushroom. But we get uh, in the fall really wonderful mushrooms. We have bluets, which are actually lavender colored. They have a very um, silky texture to them. And we get hen of the woods, which can get very large in their of they're meaty but they have a feathery look to them so they actually look like a hen and they're they're actually parasites and they grow on the base of red oak trees. Hmm.
0: How did you uh, get your knowledge about mushrooms and and being able to forage for them in the woods I safely? St-
1: I started <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's uh, you have to be really careful. You can't pick anything that you're not absolutely sure of. And these are all mushrooms that I would give to my family. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't give them anything that I didn't know about. Um, I started picking them as a child. I grew up in Wisconsin, and I really started having an interest about it then. And then when I moved down south, moved to North Carolina, I had a neighbor who was interested in it, and we went out. And we just started looking and collecting. And over the years, we... uh, really explored a lot of places and I really read up on it and experimented and uh, that's really how.
0: So so you're I would take it you know which ones not to get also. Yes,
1: because they can kill you. Exactly. <laughs> right. Now I there there's probably I would say I have two dozen mushrooms that I can positively identify and would eat and the other was that I other ones that I can identify that I know that are not edible and you just stay away from something that you have no idea about.
0: But that's interesting. I have not met many people who really know how to go out in the woods and figure out what they can eat and what they can't eat.
1: It's fun. This, and North Carolina is just, it's the Garden of Eden.
0: Well, Glenn, thank you for coming in today and sharing your knowledge about mushrooms and foraging in the woods. And good luck with the Magnolia Baroque Festival. I hope you have a great week. Thank you. I
1: appreciate it.